morning, this is Ryan Berg. I'm a research fellow in Latin American Studies at the American Enterprise Institute, and I'm joined by Eric Farnsworth, who's the Vice President of the America Society Council of the Americas. Today we're talking about elections in Latin America. This has been dubbed the season of elections or the year of elections in Latin America, with no fewer than nine countries holding elections this year, and five of them, uh, Chile, Ecuador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Peru, also selecting presidents, not just members of their national assemblies. Most recently, this past weekend, uh, we just saw Ecuador hold a preliminary round of elections. So what happened there, Eric? Give us the scene setter. Well, Ryan, it's great to join you again uh, and to have the opportunity to talk about some of these issues with you. We have another contested election in Latin America. Boy, we've seen this movie before, haven't we? Uh, you know, the, the top vote getter is clear uh, who uh, won uh, enough votes to get into the second round, which will be held April 11, uh, and uh, he, he won uh, with a convincing plurality, but not enough to win outright, uh, and so there will be a second round. But the problem is in terms of who will actually contest that second round with him, and we have two candidates who are literally neck and neck. We probably won't have the results for a couple days, but the challenge here is that uh, you know, already one of the candidates is uh, calling for his supporters to put pressure uh, on the electoral tribunal to make sure that the vote is uh, counted freely and fairly and no manipulation and all of that, which on the surface sounds good, but it also sometimes can be an invitation to uh, uh, crowd, um, uh, you know, activities uh, that Ecuador is certainly no stranger to. So we've got a challenge here uh, going forward. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. How do you see it? Well, violence is the last thing that we want to see in Latin America surrounding elections. But as you mentioned, this is a, a story that has played itself out uh, in other in other countries. And just to put a little bit more specificity to it, the uh, the leader in the in this runoff is Andres Arauz. He's 35, if I'm not mistaken. He's a former culture minister and a, a central bank director um, uh, under the uh, the previous president Rafael Correa. And, uh, and he, he heads a, a, a grouping of parties that are generally center-left uh, and in favor of the former president's programs. And the two who are vying to become uh, the, uh, the challenger to Arauz in, in the runoff, um, Guillermo Lasso, who is a center-right politician, has run for president, I think, twice, uh, uh, two times before. This will be his third time. Uh, he's, a, he's a former banker, and I believe he was a minister as well in a previous government. Uh, from the city of Guayaquil. Uh, and the third candidate, uh, the, the indigenous activist you mentioned, who, who's uh, calling for his supporters to protest in, in front of the, uh, the National Electoral Commission, is Yacu Perez, uh, who really had a much stronger showing than many people expected him to. Uh, I think he was initially polling around 10% uh, and actually did much, much better and ended up siphoning votes um, from other candidates. And, and that's actually one of the reasons why I think we didn't see Lasso do as well as, as maybe he was predicted to uh, beforehand. And so we have a lot of uncertainty here as to what this election uh, uh, might bring us. And there's also some serious ramifications for the United States as well. What might oh, those right. be, Eric? That's right. And I think you've got, uh, you've hit it on the head. And, uh, you know, I think Yacoub Perez gave a, an option to people who wanted a more leftist uh, candidate but didn't want to support one necessarily who was tied so closely to Rafael Correa, the previous 
failed president of Ecuador who is clearly uh, somebody rejected by many in Ecuador. Uh, he's under indictment. He's living outside the country in Belgium. Uh, and he would promise a return to uh, a coalition of sorts with uh, Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela, Daniel Ortega, you know, some of that crowd, which uh, is still lingering around Latin America. And so I think some of the voters were looking for an alternative there. But at the end of the day, uh, you're right, the, uh, the runoff elections on April 11 will crown a candidate, uh, a victor. And if it's Andres Arauz, uh, you know, which he's in the lead, uh, clearly could realign Ecuador again, uh, more toward the populist uh, authoritarian approach that uh, some of the others in, um, in the region have pursued. Uh, and I think that's going to be a challenge. Uh, for example, some of the uh, market opening initiatives that uh, the outgoing uh, administration of Lenin Moreno has pursued, the uh, more positive relationship with the United States, uh, the effort to get into the Pacific Alliance, the trade grouping of other like-minded Latin American countries. Some of the things that Ecuador has done to try to rebalance in a, in a much better way, frankly, the relationship with China, that Rafael Correa uh, really uh, went uh, all in on the relationship with China and turned Ecuador in some ways into a vassal state of, of that particular country. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential going on here, uh, depending on how the elections come out on, on April 11th. Eric, I want to add to what you said that this macroeconomic situation uh, that whatever whoever the uh, the elected president will be going into is not something uh, for either of us to be envious of. I mean, uh, the Ecuadorians are are very indebted uh, to China, uh, and one of their principal exports, uh, uh, oil, is at an all time low, and so this will be a very difficult situation uh, to right the ship uh, once we do have a winner of this election.